man, oh man. I tell you, that's one of those songs, what you need to do is later on today, you Google that song's lyrics, bring them back up and read them again. Let that sink in a little bit to, to understand just how loved you are, just how loved we are in Christ. I was thinking about this this week. Um, I, I still remember quite vividly uh, the moment my life changed when I finally said yes to Jesus. I was 15 years old. I was at a camp on a little mountain in Knott County, Kentucky, in a city called Emelina. You've probably never heard of that. Uh, most people have not, <laughs> uh, but it's a small little place. And the thing that I will never forget as I was walking down off that little mountain, coming back from that amphitheater, the thing I kept thinking was this, I now have a purpose. And when I look back on that, I still find it strange that I thought that because I was 15. And I don't really remember thinking of myself asking these really big philosophical questions about life like, why am I here? You know, I think I usually was like maybe most people, I wake up and say, what do I want to eat? And then uh, well, I guess, I, did I get everything done? Do I have everything before I got, go out the door to catch the bus or whatever, you know? I think my thoughts were more like that. But I thought that was very revealing. I thought that, when I look back on that, I thought, man, that reveals a need that I had, that I wrestled with, that I struggled with, finding fulfilled that I didn't know how to express. But in that moment, I remember literally saying, I have, I have a purpose. I, I feel purposeful. I feel like I now know how I'm supposed to live and what I'm supposed to do. And I, didn't even, I don't even think I could have then if someone would have said, well, then tell me your purpose. I don't think I probably could have actually used words to describe it. I just knew I had it. And I want us to talk about that a little bit together because this is what I believe to be so, so true. We all desperately crave a purpose to fulfill. And as I was explaining this in the earlier service this morning, I actually had this picture come up in my mind. I remember this old wooden, flat wooden toy uh, that, that you had that had different shaped holes in it, and you got to find the right pieces that fit the right hole and get them, push them through there. Do you remember that? Uh, I actually was thinking, what is that called? And I Googled that after the first service, and it's called a shape sorter toy. That's kind of hard for me to say, shape sorter toy. And now they, they make them a lot different now. They're kind of, some of them are cubes that you can push those things through, and they fall into the cube, and then you put them back out or whatever. And I think as much as uh, this may sound a little weird, I feel like we still do that. I think we do that throughout our lives. We have these little holes in our life, in our, in our psyche, in our hearts, uh, that we're just trying to fill the pieces in. And we're seeking fulfillment. We're seeking worth. And we find it in various places. We find it in the major that we choose when we go to school. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to major in. Stick that piece right in there, and it kind of feels good. For, for some of us, it feels good just to be able to put something in there because it feels so, like, i got to know what I'm heading, what I'm doing. Our career is another one of those pieces, I think, that we try to place in the right spot. It brings us fulfillment, brings us a sense of worth. Uh, our personality and how people feel about us, what people think of us, I think that's another thing. Our friend group and the role we play in that group. And I think a lot of it is our roles. I think we hang a lot of our worth and our purposefulness on the roles that we play. What is my role as a spouse, my role as a, as a child, my role as a parent? What's my place in all this? I believe we are in constant search for fulfillment 
and worth. The purposes, however, that we tend to embrace are temporal. The purposes that we sort of, those pieces that we try to push in those little empty holes, those tend to be temporal or temporary. They're they're for a, a short time. They're not eternal. We major in something only to change it, like maybe multiple times. And some of you have had that as part of your story, right? This is what I'm going to do until that's not what we're going to do, right? This is what I enjoy until that's not what we enjoy. We love our job until we don't love our job. (laughs) And then that piece doesn't fit anymore, right? Uh, And even if we do love our jobs, we eventually retire. And, And then what? There's a new hole to fill there, right? You may be a parent who, I'm one of those parents that my favorite phase of, of childhood for my kids is I loved it when they were babies. And not that I don't love the rest of it, you know, but I really loved it when they were babies, like little Riley Beers down here, just cuddly. They couldn't talk yet, and they needed you, and they were, even when they stunk, it was kind of okay, you know. I love that little phase, you know, but guess what? They don't stay babies. So if you find your fulfillment in being just like 24-7 nurturing, then what happens in that next phase? Well, then there's a more, another hole to fill. And then what happens if you get to where Sherry and I are where the nest is about to be somewhat empty and there's, there's a new hole? So we're, wait, this is depressing, uh, isn't it? <laughs> uh, think about it. <laughs> Me need to, uh, Matt's going to preach next week. Preach something encouraging next week, bro. Um, but anyway, we just, we are in this ever-changing life, this ever-changing world with ever-changing circumstances. And I'm not saying not to love and care about the things I've just mentioned, you know. It's okay to love your job. It's okay to love the phase of parenting you're in. But I'm telling you that the things that we tend to place as the foundation of our fulfillment and worth, and the things we tend to hang our hat of purpose on, they're not eternal. They're ever-changing, and they're temporary. And because of that, we will find ourselves searching. And that's what we've been talking about for the past three weeks, and we're ending this series called Searching on this one question. What about life's purpose? What is life's purpose. And the answer I'm going to give you, just like the past two weeks, might make you a little upset, may make you like, oh, here comes another one-word pat answer. But I'm going to give you a one-word pat answer to this question. The answer to life's purpose is love. Now, Jesus was targeted by the religious leaders of his day. They were always trying to trap him and trick him and ask him a question that was a loaded question that if he answered it this way, you'd get in trouble with these people or you'd just be wrong. Or if he answered it this way, that would be politically incorrect or, or religiously incorrect and, and then you'll catch flack from these people. This is what happened to Jesus a lot. And I want to read to you just real briefly an encounter like that in Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And I just pause for a moment. This is what Jesus had to deal with. He had this group of leaders, the religious sect called the Sadducees, which were a lot like the Pharisees, except they did not believe in a resurrection. So they had tried to trap Jesus, and he foiled them. Now the Pharisees, who did believe in a resurrection, that were the religious leaders of the Jews, now they're going to get him. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher... Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And you may have heard this passage before, and you may know the answer by heart. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God 
with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus takes all of the scriptures. And back when he walked this good earth, the scriptures were simply the Old Testament that we have today. That was their Bible. That was the scriptures. And he said all of this, this entire scriptures that you have in your hands can all be summed up in these two commands. Love God with all your being and love others like you love yourself. But near the end of Jesus' public ministry, he even narrowed it down further to just one commandment. I want to read that to you. It's in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 9. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Stick a pen in that, highlight that, circle that. We're going back to that in a little while. He goes on, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. All right. So Jesus even takes the two commands, the great commands, and boils it all the way down to this one idea. To love others as he has loved you. For you to love other people like Jesus loves you. But that's not where this conversation started. That's not what he led with when he was talking to his disciples. Instead, he led with this concept of abiding. He said several times, abide in my love. The Greek word for abide there can be translated dwell in, live in, remain in, stay in, stay placed in. I like marinate in. Soak in, you stay in his love. That's what this word means, to stay put in his love. And I love that word picture because I believe this is where we kind of have to start. Why? Because some of us in this room need to hear this more than you hear anything else. Like, okay, yeah, I know I'm supposed to love people. I'm supposed to love people. Yeah, okay, Jesus says we should love people like, I, like he loves me. And, and we can feel like, okay, this is a command that I need to uphold. And, and, we, and you might leave here saying, there's another thing i got to do. I probably don't do it well, but I need to be better at it. I don't want you to leave here with that. I want you to leave here knowing where this starts. This starts with you being completely convinced of the love that Jesus has for you and catching a glimpse of that. And what someone in this room needs to hear more than anything else today is that you need to stop pursuing self-worth and find your worth in Jesus' love because it is constant. 
It is not ever-changing. Circumstances change. Seasons of life change. Your major will change. Your job will probably change. You may even change addresses at some point. But the love of Jesus is never changing. And the problem is, is that some of you are like, man, I, I don't know why, but I just can't even, I don't know that I even had the capacity to love people like Jesus loves me. I mean, I can't even begin to know where to start with that. And the reason that might be where you are is you have not abided in his love yet. You've not soaked in his love yet. You've not had a moment where you've just paused and said, I cannot believe how loved I am by the God of the universe. He loves me so much. And the truth is, is you've been chasing and you've been chasing, you've been pursuing, you've been searching. And I'm telling you, it's time to stop. Looking for self-worth? Stop looking. Jesus loves you. And the one thing I've learned, and I've heard the opposite of this said more than anything, but I'm going to tell you this one, this version of it. Love people, love people. You meet someone who's very unloving, and you learn their backstory, you will find a lot of void of love in their life. I've heard it said the other way. I've heard many times, hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> and when you learn their backstory and you see how hurt they've been, how, how many times they've been hurt by others, perhaps especially by people who are supposed to be the ones loving them most, that explains why they hurt other people. Well, the opposite is true too. Love people, love people. You get filled with love that gives you the capacity to be able to love others. Some of the most unloving people I've ever met have really difficult stories of never really grasping love. And I will tell you this, if that's your story and you're like, man, I just, I don't, I've not had a lot of people in my life that have really shown me love. I want to tell you right now, I want to introduce you to someone who loves you so much. His name is Jesus. And I know that may sound spiritually corny, but it is true. And by faith, you have to receive it to be true. And when you begin to, by faith, receive that it's so true, how loved you are, it will change you. It will change your life. Friends, Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me and you so, all right? you got to believe that. If you believe that, it will change your life. That cross that Jesus bore, it was for you personally. When he stepped out of that grave, he did that for you personally. He's coming back for you personally. He created you. The fact that you actually exist and are involuntarily breathing the good air that he made is because he wanted there to be a you for him to spend eternity with. That's how much he loves you. It's what's really awesome about it is you are that loved whether you even believe he exists or not. Every atheist you will ever meet, and maybe you are one and you're here today. I'm glad you're here today because I want you to know that even if you don't believe it, the truth does not rely upon your capacity to believe the truth. It's true still. You may walk out of here feeling like there is no God to love you, and yet you are loved by the creator of the universe who decided to breathe you into existence as well. And irregardless of whether you believe in him back, 
He died for you, loves you, rose from the grave for you, and is coming back for you if you would just believe in him. Amen. I'll take a clap. <laughs> Until you are convinced of Jesus' love for you, I believe you will always, to some extent, struggle with worth, fulfillment, and purpose. You'll try to find other things to plug those holes. And they're not always bad things. That's what's tricky, right? It's what's tricky because, yeah, it's okay to, to love your role among your friends and to love the job that you have and to love this and love that. Again, friends, those things are temporary. They're fleeting. But the love of God will never change. So I want to give you two things to do here. The first thing is, and I think Jesus is giving you these things to do. He gave you these things to do in that passage in John 15. Stop pursuing and start abiding. End the chase. Stop pursuing and stop right where you are and realize I am loved by the God of the universe. I am loved by the Father. I'm loved by the one who made me. And just abide in that love. Because as we said before, careers will change. Your major will change. Your medical condition will change. Family dynamics will change. Your financial status will change. I've been blown away in the past few weeks. We've just had a lot of stuff. A lot of people going through stuff in the past few weeks here in the life of our church. Grieving. I'm amazed at how one phone call can change you. You pick up that phone thinking everything is just kind of fine, everything's just kind of normal, and you get the call saying that someone's passed away. Or you get the test results. Or you found out there's been an accident. I mean, I can go on naming more and more and more. But it's amazing how, one, you can just be going about your life and then all of a sudden, everything changes. That's hard. And that's our lives that we live. And even though you may try to prepare yourself for that, those things happen and you just aren't ready for it. But I'm here to tell you, regardless of that happening, there's one thing that never changes. Hebrews 13 eight says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. His love for you is never changing. And that's where you need to find your worth. That's where you need to find your purpose, to be connected to the God who loves you. And here's what I think about, and you can tell we've been having construction here at church lately because the first analogy I think of about what Jesus says to do next now that you've been abiding in his love, the now what? Okay, that's really cool. But he doesn't love you just to keep you in a box all to himself and just have this love relationship with you. He loves all of his creation, and there are so many more out there who have not experienced the love of Jesus, which is why he gives you the second thing, and that is to love like him. Love like Jesus. Abide, stop pursuing, and start abiding, and then love like him. And, and, and when I think about this, the best analogy I know of is that when we abide in the love of Jesus, it's like we become ductwork connected to the, the central unit, the main HVAC unit that has the capacity to love. And now God loves others through us. His love that we've abided in, that we've soaked in, that we've marinated in, now we can give it to other people because we have it. That's what happens in our lives. That's our purpose. This is what we need to just experience in our lives. 
The reason you're here is to love people like Jesus. Now, I have a tension with this because so oftentimes when I start talking about what is our purpose, why are we here, I usually default to Matthew 28, what we call the Great Commission, that, okay, yeah, we're to go, therefore, into all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, we're supposed to do that, but guess what? We cannot do that if we're not doing this. You cannot love people like Jesus loves them unless you have abided in his love, unless you are abiding in his love. And definitely, if you ain't got the love of Jesus and you're not loving others, you're going to be a horrible missionary and evangelist. (laughs) Because people don't care what you have to tell them truth-wise about faith and belief and all that if they don't think you care about them. Your best evangelistic tool is exactly what Jesus said for you to do. Love others just as Jesus has loved you. That's why you're here. And I love this. I heard uh, Andy Stanley say this recently. He said, sometimes you have people in your life you just don't know what to do with. I don't know if you have anything like that, if you have someone like that, that you're like, you know, okay, I know I'm supposed to, like, I'm supposed to be on mission for Jesus, and I'm trying to follow him, I'm trying to live for him, but I got this person, you know, like, I don't know what to do. Like, they're, you know, uh, hard to get along with maybe, or they're difficult, or maybe they're just so different than you, or maybe you're like, okay, I'm trying to pursue God, and this person is the opposite of pursuing God, and, and maybe you work with them, or maybe even live with them, and you're like, I don't even know what to do, and I love what Andy Stanley had said. He said, do you know what to do? It, it, you, you, when you know nothing else to do, just love them like Jesus loves them, and the truth is, is we forget That's what people did for us, too. If you know the love of Jesus today, the reason is because someone loved you like Jesus loved them, even though you were not in a place to receive that. I think about my grandma who prayed so much for me, and it wasn't until I was 15 until I finally said yes to Jesus. But I look back on it, my grandma is like so not mainstream, you know. She she was so holy, I didn't want to burp in front of her, you know. Uh, and I, I like set up straighter when I was around her. And I loved her, and I could still be myself, but I wanted to be the better version of myself when I was around her. And she gives me a cassette to teach me how to break dance as a gift. I didn't even know she knew what break dancing was, but she knew I liked it. And so she found it and got it for me as a gift. And I'm like, Dad, I look back on that and say, that was really cool because she only listened to Southern gospel music, you know, got quartets and all that, that she went to that other part of the store and got me a breakdancing cassette. She had no idea what she was doing, but she did that for me. Love me where I was with the love of Jesus. And if you know nothing else to do with a person in your life, whether you work with them, go to school with them, you live with them, love them. Like Jesus loves them, and watch what happens, man. Lives are changed by that, that kind of love. As I think about our next steps, next step Monday, when you wake up tomorrow morning, and I don't know, Monday mornings are tough, right? My feet hit the floor, and first my feet hurt usually, and then you got to, I don't really think, Jesus, what is my purpose today? <laughs> I actually don't think the first hour. Actually, I don't think I think at all. And we get some coffee and maybe some thoughts start coming up. But what I want you to consider is a couple of things as you think of a next step. Something to name and something to ask. First, name one way Jesus loves you. Think on that. I'm, finish this sentence in your life. I know Jesus loves me because, fill in the blank, and I gave you some earlier. 
you can probably think of others. That's one way you can marinate in his love and abide in his love. But then ask this, how can I love this person like Jesus loves me? Whoever that person is before you. What if we started asking that every day? How can I love this person like Jesus loves me? It'd probably change a lot of our interactions, wouldn't it? With God's help, we can fulfill our purpose to abide in his love and to love others like Jesus loves you. But it's up to you to take that step. Let's pray together. I'm going to have you bow your heads. And with your head bowed, before I voice the prayer aloud, it could be that you're in this place this morning and you've never taken your first step of faith. You've never trusted in Christ to be your Savior, to be your Lord. I'm here to tell you he is just a step of faith away. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right here, right where you're sitting, you can pray and say, the best way you know how, you can just say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins and, and come into my life. I want to be your child. I want to abide in your love. And I pray that if you've never done that, that you would pray a prayer like that right now and that you would know by faith that by praying that prayer in faith, you are his child forever. That's the best decision you can ever make. Take that step today. And if you've done that already, don't let your purpose get too complicated. You're here to love others just the way Jesus loves you. Focus on that with God's help. Father, we come before you right now and just ask that you move us to take the next step you know we need to take. Whether there be someone taking their first step of faith right now or just someone taking their next step of faith. Move in us to do exactly what you've challenged us and called us to do. Father, I just want to pause and say thank you for your amazing love and I can't even begin to fathom everything about how loved I am. And I love the lyrics of that song we sang earlier. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We'll spend the rest of our lives praising you for it, God, and thanking you for it. Lord, I pray that we'll leave here fully convinced of how loved we are by you. Help us. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name I pray.